The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As children, we are forever asking the question, why? Yet, at some point, as we move into adulthood, the question gets easily answered with something similar to, just because. Why did we stop asking why? Welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show, a program where we not only strive to answer those why questions, but we'll find out how to ask more and not settle for just because. Now, here's Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show. Today I have with me a frequent guest, I guess that's what we can call you now, David. Um, David Simpson, author of Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons, has come on the show with me today because I we have another special guest that will be coming on in the second half of the show. Um, welcome to the show, David. How are you? I, I know what you're up to, Mickey. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. I uh, I know you're just trying to make me do uh, become a co-host of this show, and so eventually I'll just be here every week. <laughs> well, if, if I can work that out, we can do it. It doesn't pay very well. <laughs> well, we do what we have to, right? Exactly right. Well, the main reason uh, today that I, that I asked David to come on was, um, you know, I, I do want you guys to go visit my website, MickeyEllison.com. You can find ways to find a way to get out there and get David's book. But the guest that's coming on in the second half of the show is, is Mike Church, and and David is. I don't know how to really explain this because you two are actually responsible for introducing me to each other. Um, part of my daily routine is to take the uh, Founding Fathers red pill every morning with Mike Church, and we'll talk more about that when he gets on the show. But one day I was listening to, to the show, and and David has uh, – you and I are in the same ministry, financial planning, and right. David, was, David was on Mike's show, and there was a lot of things that, that David – was starting to say is it's just like the beginning of my show when I start to ask the question why, and I've asked, I've always had a lot of questions why, but I've always stepped back and said you know those people have thirty forty years experience so I will just uh, I, I'll just go with what what they're doing and in two thousand eight I found myself in a place that I didn't want to be and frankly for about three or four years I was angry at at a lot of things and and when I've met you personally for the first time David I was angry you can probably vouch for that when I showed up to uh Covington Louisiana at, at Mike's event and I think it was the the winter of 2000 at all. 11 or 12? I don't remember well, which one of them. Yeah, I can't remember. That. I'm terrible with time frames, but that sounds about right. And, and, you know, I wanted you to be on the show a little bit today so that you could help introduce Mike, because you actually know Mike personally, and whereas I just know him from one evening in December or November or something like that of, of 2011 or 12. And yeah. um, um, tell me a little bit about uh, about Mike and and. Why I will tell you, I think he's actually the most important radio uh, personality on any type of radio period, and uh, it's not because he gets everything fired up. He actually is one of those guys that every time I listen to the show, I go, 
Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I would say that about him. I've known a good number of media personalities, and I, I don't mean to be terribly uh, mean to these people, but the ones that I've met are typically extremely shallow, and I, I mean their depth of understanding seems to just kind of stay on that surface very, and I think it comes from maybe their job. They're always dealing with current events. They're always dealing with just kind of what's in the news and, and the, the time frame that they have to study it and get to know that issue is so quick and so passing that they don't really um, spend enough time to fully understand issues. Well, Mike is not like that. And uh, I told him that one time we were, I was in his studio doing the show and I, we went off air, and I just said, Mike, you know, you, the reason I think you make such a difference, and the reason you're such a good host, and, he, and, and, and by the way, he's a great question asker also, uh, is because he has spent the time to get some very in-depth knowledge of history, uh, of legal issues, philosophical issues, spiritual, religious issues, that, um, that I think his knowledge just transcends so many different topics. And so he puts together a show that is very, very fine, and then he also puts out products that are equally good, uh, whether it be you know, re, uh, re-editing and reissuing books that have gone out of print to audio uh, uh, subjects. He'll do a treatment, let's say, of, he just most, most recently did a treatment of Washington's uh, Crossing of the Delaware, but he gives you the full story of it in an audio format, and he's also done some videos as well. So he puts together good products, he puts on a good show, he's a deep thinker, and, uh, and he's just a good, a good man. And you know, I, I appreciate what he does each and every day because it, it it causes me. You know, I used to think that I was conservative, and the I, I'll be honest with you, the first few times I listened to Mike, it did nothing. I, I was probably going, "That is not right. You are wrong about that. You're dead wrong about all this stuff." And yeah. and that doesn't sound like Rush Limbaugh on the radio. You're supposed to be be marching in in the same footsteps as. It's him, but yeah. the more I listened, the more he talked about things. That, that it finally made me just stop and think. Well, well, that makes sense. You well, know, you know Mike's, not, Mike's been on a very similar trajectory. I mean, uh, I, he would even I think consider himself a neocon as early as mm, let's just say five, seven years ago. Um, and he's had a rapid ascent, if you will. I don't know what you might. Some people might say it's a descent. I don't know. <laughs> he's had a rapid ascent into this um, knowledge of how we've all been kind of hoodwinked. We've all been lied to as to the form of our government, the process it's supposed to be, the, um, the, the federalism, the idea of, of dissipation of powers, um, constitutionalism, and we, and we all bought into a, a, a sham of vote Republican or be Republican or something, and by that I mean the party, um, mm-hmm. when in fact Republican is a different word altogether. If he, he brought up this, he came up with kind of coined this expression, little r Republicanism, and what he means by that is the classical understanding of what a Republic was, which is the Latin, two Latin words, race, publica, the public thing, the I think that belongs to all of us, our civic responsibility, if you will. Um, the idea of governing oneself. And Mike has been fast and furious learning these things and integrating that knowledge in himself and then putting it out over the radio in a digestible format that's both entertaining and enlightening. So, yeah, I think he's a, he's a great radio personality. Well, and hopefully this will draw some attention to what's known as the Founding, the founding Fathers Trading Post. What's it? The Founders Trading Post on his website. Right. Where um, you, you can actually... It, you go through what? Are, what are some of them? We got the spirit of '76. We got the uh, um, fame of our fathers. The road to independence. Yep. There's awesome. so many things, and he actually goes back and, and 
puts it in real versus the myth that we maybe have thought was was the American Revolution at, at, at the time and what led to those those events. And I, I'll be honest with you, this is something that I don't know whether you agree or disagree with me. I, for a long time, was one of those guys that will look at the Constitution, and I'm no Constitution scholar. I've read the thing multiple times, but I would look at that and say, well, that is a almost as if it's a God-breathed document, when in reality, it was written by flawed men to the best of their ability at the time that they they wrote it and part of what they were they were trying to do was was uh hoping that good good solid citizens and people would come along that would fix or or amend the mistakes that they maybe ha- had made in the original constitution is am, am i wrong there no i think that's right and and i i really I have to have to say I I dislike the people who hold it in such reverence that somehow or another it's it's just the fifth gospel or something. I mean that's ridiculous. I mean these were good men, they were intelligent men, and they were men who um, studied history and this great civilizations, and then they took the best or they tried to take the best of all those civilizations and do an amalgamation into a form of government they thought would be prosperous and and helpful to the common man and the citizenship at large. Um, and I think in, in many respects they, they succeeded, and then in some respects they failed. And it's, the, it's in those respects where they failed that I think we have the poison that's kind of slowly but surely killing our society today. Um, we can't necessarily lay that at their feet and blame them. I mean, they were just some of the seeds of error. But, but the, the real issue is there's no perfect answer to governing human beings. Um, they even said such things. I mean, they said if men were angels, government wouldn't be necessary. Uh, but mm-hmm. if men were absolute devils, government would be impossible. And so how do you fix that problem? You have, this, you have a fallen man in a fallen world um, that uh, can think right sometimes but can be tempted to think wrong many times. And so how do you govern that? And that was their quest, and they came up with a good answer, a great answer, one that I think many people think is uh, one of the greatest documents of all time. Um, but they have, it has flaws like anything else because, because we're human. Well, and, and the thing that you said and in, in, in that, uh, as you were talking there, just popped in my mind was they were flawed men. They were, they were trying to do the best that they could, they could possibly do in, in creating the document and trying to create the, the, the best uh, government there ever was. The one thing that I caught in that is the humility of those people who were doing it that realized that they were flawed men and they were – they they did seek and you there's you know there's documentation of the of some of the founders and their prayers and their relationships with with God whereas today we have practically turned government into God I mean heck mm-hmm. go, I mm-hmm. went to Washington D.C. with with my oldest son uh, several years ago and I had actually never been there but if, if you were to when you, when I'm walking along the the, the mall there and, and around town you would think that you're walking amongst the uh, cathedrals and, yeah. and, and what looks like places of worship. And, and I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that that's what the founders had in mind when they started this thing. Oh, I agree, Mickey. And I'll tell you, I, I went uh, myself when I was older. I was an adult and, and, and for the first time in very similar circumstances you. And I did have about the exact same thing, that the power there was palpable. And, and it was it was awe-inspiring in some respect, but scary in another um, I thought no place should feel like this, uh, where you feel like, uh, literally felt like um, that the people who would go there would get infected with such a power idea 
that they believe they could do anything to anyone. And I think that's kind of what we're getting, isn't it? Um, yeah. And the reason we're getting it is because they have voided God from the equation. Where our founding fathers would have said that their form of government was impossible unless you had a moral man, now we have completely amoral people uh, housing our government institutions, and they think that, that they are the Godhead. Um, very, very spooky uh, and difficult to overcome. We have to get back to what you said earlier with that humility and the idea that we're supposed to have an eternal law that guides our temporal laws uh, of the land. Well, I, I, I think, and I sent an email to Mike the other day about what uh, I, I believe is the guide to how um, government should probably be put together, and I think you can find that in in Exodus 18. Um, mm-hmm. Have you are, are you familiar with the scripture that I'm talking about? That you're no, familiar with. No. It's when Moses was acting as, as judge for of all the Israelites. Mm, good, yeah. And and Jethro, his father-in-law, comes in and and says, uh, um, Moses, you, you can't do this. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to kill yourself trying to do this. But Moses was he was trying to do what was right and. And, and Jethro says, you know, what you, we've got to do is we've, you, you've got to find godly men of character that will, will judge over tens and then over fifties, then mm. hundreds, then thousands. And basically, it, it goes down to the, the lowest um, denominator, which is the individual, which the individual goes to the family. And most of the problems are supposed to be dealt with from the most local level. Yeah. It's just like this, this deal that's going on right now in in, in Nevada, and Mike has talked quite about it, quite a bit about it on his show. And you know, I, I even run into problems. Are are, are folks on on the big R Republican side that uh, even Joseph, whose show I'm on on uh, before I come in here on Wednesdays, he he was talking about as for those of you who don't know, is Cliven Bundy, who has been a rancher for uh, he states has been in his family for over a hundred years, right? Yeah, and the feds have basically come in and they've started rounding up his cattle and basically kicking him off of the land. And when my, when I look at it, I think Mike said this morning that in Nevada, about 75% of the land in Nevada is federally owned. First of all, what, what in the world is the federal government doing owning any land period outside of maybe a few military bases and, and, and a few things of that nature. But it, why why doesn't the state of Nevada step in and say, you know, that's our land. It's here in Nevada. I'll have folks, a, a liberal friend of mine that, that says, Mickey, if you don't do that, if you don't have these national parks, then these these great monuments or whatever we may have may disappear. But I'm going, you know, you don't think that the state of Arizona can actually manage the uh, the, the Grand Canyon? Well, even if you did believe that they needed to maintain monuments, how could that possibly be 75% of a state? <laughs> I mean, even if you bought his argument, you still say, wait a second, there's not monuments across 75% of Nevada, is there? <laughs> there's not what? I'm sorry, I missed that. I said, even if you bought his argument, there's not monuments across 75% of Nevada, is there? No, I, no I've been to Nevada, and 75% of it is just sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's Some good right. golf courses, if you like, if you like golf. But uh, um, what else about about Mike do you do you want to share? Um, and, and I think you know some of the areas that we're going to talk about when he gets on the show, and he'll lead most of that because he's a professional at this. Well, is, you know, is, I, I was going to flash back to that a little bit. You were talking about us getting all introduced to one another, 
I think there's kind of a hopeful message there. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm one of those constitutionalist little R Republicans from way back, you know, because I was taught as my, from my father when I was a little boy. And, and I lived in this town. Well, I moved away a few times, but basically I lived in this town my entire life. And, um, and I had no idea that there was a Sirius XM satellite radio host running a show out of Mandeville, Louisiana, which is where I live now. I had no idea. So I ran, I ran for Congress uh, in 2008. There was an open seat because our congressman became our governor. And so it was an open seat. And I, I just jumped in the race real late because I was so sick of the big R Republicans. I had to say something. And so I'm putting up signs and running some small radio ads and print ads. And Mike Church sees my sign. And one of my, my byline was pros- Liberty, Prosperity, and, uh, uh, oh, gosh, uh, I'm going to forget my own. Peace, oh, Peace, Liberty, and Prosperity. <laughs> I forgot my own byline, peace, liberty, and prosperity. He sees this and is so enamored with my little slogan there that he invited me onto the show. Well, anyway, the short of the story is is that two guys came to know one another uh, very much of the same ilk, and we didn't even know each other. We lived in the same town. So I guess my point is is that there's lots of people who think like we do, and we don't even know where they are, and they're sometimes right next door. Well, yeah, and, and hopefully through through this radio through radio show, through Mike's radio show, it's worked in, in, in our case that we uh, we do know each other now, and, and there's a uh, there's at least three of us, right? Yep, that's for sure. There, <laughs> so, but actually, there's a lot more uh, folks that 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 think the way we do. But the 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 thing that that I hope people begin to understand, and we've talked about it quite a few times on our show, is. Uh, is why do we do some of the things that we do, and and how did we get to the point where we are are today? Looking at you know just silly things from from our own business where it's just been accepted, as we've said before, that inflation is is a good thing, a little inflation. Um, there's so much more to talk about. Uh, David, can you stay for one more sec- segment, and then Mike will come on with us in the in the next segment. Can you do that for me? Uh, I'd be happy to. All right, folks, we're going to a break. We'll be back in a minute. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are tuned to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at money planning.com. Now back to the show. Good morning and welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. For those of you just joining us, I have with me David Simpson right now who has agreed to be on the show for the third time. If you want to hear um, David talk about what he does for a living in the book that he has recently released, Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons, you can go to my website, MickeyEllison.com, click on the shows that that, uh, David has been on. The descriptions are there and, and you can learn more about David. But David has agreed to come on with me today to talk about our next guest that will be on after this segment, and it is Mike Church. And, and Mike Church, to me, uh, David, is, is what I, he is who I believe to be the most important um, radio talk show host in America, and, and that is because he, he teaches truth. It's not always about ratings. In fact, he jokes a lot of times because he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't follow the line of, what's it he calls, bashing Obama? We just got to get on here and bash Obama? Yeah. Well, you know, he, he has done that quite a bit. He's, he's believed, and I think he's right on this. Of course, I think there's a balance to strike, but, um, you know, that this, the, trying to stay in the news cycle and doing those little things that are of interest today but going tomorrow is self-defeating because it wears people out. Um, and so he tries to spend more time in doing an educational type of show, but in a, in a way that's still media, kind of media-centric, if you will, and, uh, and interesting. Uh, I think he accomplishes it, and, uh, but I do also think that he probably hurts his ratings at times because people, um, like, quite frankly, in large measure, don't want to be educated. They want to stay blissfully ignorant of all that's going on around us, uh, but they better wake up because that ain't going to be possible before too long. Yeah, and and I that is one of the things that uh, does concern me, especially in the business that we're in. That you and I see folks every single day. All they're doing is planning for the. I think in your book you call it the God of Retirement. That's right. Working yeah. toward, toward toward those those goals. And I'm not saying, and neither are you, that that you shouldn't be working toward a goal of possibly retirement if that's something that you want to do. But so often I, I run into folks who have spent so much time planning for retirement or planning for college education for their kids that uh, they haven't lived today. And, and many times, the uh, I've seen so many folks that have actually spent their entire life worrying about having enough for, for retirement only to worry if they're going to run out for it out of money after they retire. Sure. And you have the, uh, another issue I think is kind of strange is they're so worried about the future. And then, like I said, nothing wrong with being prudent and trying to save for some, you know, obvious those things that can can happen to us in the future. But what I find weird and kind of almost 
schizophrenic is we're so worried about our personal future, but not about the greater, you know, larger future of our nation. And you think about you know, the amount of money, the amount of debt we've heaped up on the next generation. How can we possibly worry about our future, but not worry about our kids and grandkids that we've already enslaved through trillions of dollars of debt? It, it's, it's, it's weird and, and strange, you know? Well, you, I think you see it in everyday life because of all the debt that we heap up on ourselves um, and businesses. Our, our whole economy right now is based off of debt. We, When we saw those credit markets start to freeze up in 2008, what we saw was the economy that was about to, to collapse. And if it hadn't been for – and I'm not necessarily thinking this was a, a good thing, but if it wasn't for the money printing of the, uh, the Federal Reserve and the bailouts that we had, who knows what was going to happen at that point in time. But, uh, you know, I think it was, it was the central planners that have probably just pushed off the day of reckoning. Sure. They, they've created a problem, and they've got a problem that they can't fix, but they're going to continue to, to pretend that they can and to do the things that actually make it worse. And, um, and, and so, you know, I always kind of grimace when someone starts overly planning for the future because I'm thinking, look, guys, I'm sorry, but I kind of see gray clouds over the horizon. I don't see blue skies, and you want me to pretend like there's blue, blue skies and sailboats, and, and I can't go along with your vision, you know? Uh, now, I hate to be the Debbie Downer or whatever, uh, so I try to tell them, look, we can still fix this thing. We can still work and get this thing corrected, but everyone's got to start pulling in the same direction, not just pulling in their own direction. So um, we'll see. Well, and I think that when Mike gets on and he, and he introduces uh, little r republicanism, that's part of the answer. But it's little r republicanism, and, and we're looking to a higher power because you and I can look at that situation that's possibly and more than likely coming down the down the road when when it all does hit the fan. And does that necessarily mean that it, it, it's the end? No, we serve a God that if you read at Romans eight twenty eight, all things come to, together to work for uh, uh, to bring Him glory. Mm-hmm. And, and it will it will work that way, and, and we just have to be able to, to trust trust that God. But we also, you know, just because we, we get caught up in how things are today, it doesn't mean that we can't start really working towards creating a better future for our own kids. And, and I think ultimately, that's what uh, what we're all trying to do as, as parents. And um, you know, I, I guess I. I'm at a loss of words because it's easy to get depressed. Um, I, I wrote a piece on on MickeyEllison.com the other day, and it was it was talking about um, you know the the greatest hero. Um, and this is a week where I think we celebrate the greatest hero. And and in that piece, I just I just mentioned imagine yourself as a soldier, David, and and you're in a trench with 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 some soldiers, and the enemy is doing everything in their power to actually try to uh, try to kill. All of us in our in our uh, trench. They right. toss over. They toss over a grenade, and the way I am the only one that sees that grenade come into the into the trench. I have a I have a couple choices. One is I can do nothing and it kills us all, or I can jump on that grenade at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And you know that's a tough question. What would you do? But then I turned it around and I said, "All right, we are having the same battle, but now we have an open shot to the uh, to the enemy and." This guy has a chance to kill all of them in one shot. And what do I do? I turn around and I look at him and say, don't do that. So what happens at that point is they turn on me, kill me, and then go after the enemy. Yeah. And I think that is an example of what we're actually celebrating this this coming weekend and uh, with, with Easter coming up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus was, was us. And in the process of dying, he says, forgive, forgive them, mm-hmm. for they mm-hmm. know not what they do. 
Well, and that is probably the great mystery and the great difficulty of being a Christian, right? Um, (laughs) Seeing the evil in the world, trying to associate it with a personality or a group or whatever, and then saying, well, golly, if I just got rid of them, maybe there wouldn't be any evil in the world. Well, wrong, wrong answer, right? (laughs) Evil is going to persist uh, until the end of time, and uh, our goal is not to eradicate it, but to convert it. And... um, and that takes love, and it takes a great deal of humility as well. All right. Hey, well, well, David, I want to tell you, thank, thanks for being on the on the show. I'm, I, I really appreciate you coming on this time. Mike, uh, Mike Church is actually on hold right now, and when we come back from this break, I will get the honor of introducing you to, to Mike Church, the King Dude, the most important radio show on radio today, in my opinion. And, uh, David, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Mickey. Thank you. All right, right, folks. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. Now back to the show. On September 3rd, Howe released Sullivan, and with him, he sent a letter addressed to Congress. 
The letter was an appeal for peace. If only the American army would stand down, and if the Congress would send some of its members to treat with the Admiral, but there was a catch. Howe would not recognize Congress as a legal body and would only hold the talks with private gentlemen. In response, Ben Franklin, John Adams, and Edward Rutledge agreed to meet on September the 11th on Staten Island at Howe's residence. At the meeting, Howe refused to offer any assurances that the colonies would be given better treatment than they had experienced on the build-up to war. We also learn here that Franklin informs Howe that even if the three men wanted to negotiate on behalf of the states, they couldn't because Congress did not have that power. Only the newly independent states could enter such an agreement, proving again that the Declaration of Independence had not created one indivisible blob of America, but had only united independent states together for common purposes. The conference ended and Howe expressed sorrow at what was about to occur. Washington informed Hancock what he thought Howe was up to. September 6, 1776. As the enemy's movements are very different from what we expected, and from their large encampments a considerable distance up the sound, there is reason to believe they intend to make a landing above or below Kingsbridge, and thereby to hem in our army and cut off the communication with the country. I mean to call a council of war and endeavor to digest and fix upon some regular and certain system of conduct to be pursued in order to baffle their efforts and counteract their schemes, and also determine on the expediency of evacuating or attempting to maintain the city and the several posts on this island. That the enemy mean to winter in New York, there can be no doubt. That with such an armament they can drive us out is equally clear. And welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. That is a clip from a docu- docudrama called The Times of Tribemen's Souls. And, and the author and the creator of that, Mike Church, who I am going to introduce as I, I talked a little bit with David Simpson in the last segment, that I believe Mike Church has the most important radio show on, telev- uh, on television, on radio today. And I have he has helped me grow in quite in in so many ways that I didn't expect, he's turned me into a little R Republican and, and not the big R Republican. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's nice to nice to be on the program. So, but hey, when I when I met you, um, actually, David is really the reason that I met you because I was listening to your show. I have this routine that goes on each and every day. That I get up in the morning and I have a workout, and rather than working out to music, I work out to the Mike Church show every single morning. And because of that, I was listening several years ago when David came on your show, and he and I are in the same business, as you know. Right. And I I had gone through um, the the troubles of 2008 and that and all of that time frame and watched clients really being hurt, and I really started to question things that we were teaching clients and teaching people. And I reached out to David, and he started. Uh, he he and I have have cr- come up with a with a friendship over the last couple of years that that I means a lot to me. And um, by doing that, you you were mentioning two years ago, I think it was 2012. You were you were having a, uh, a founders. Uh, what what was the thing I came to? Do you remember? Refounding Fathers Society meeting. Re- 
refounding father society meeting and, and when i came down there mike i was mad you remember that <laughs> i do <laughs> i and, and what i have learned from you over the over the last uh, couple of years is i i'm no longer angry i i looked finally you, you taught me to uh um you know, the anger and lashing out wasn't going to do any good. And I started to dig deeper. And and because of you and because of your show, um, I'm very happy with, with where I'm at and where I'm going with, with businesses starting to educate folks. But the reason I wanted you on the show today is because you have a little trading post called the uh, um, Founders Trading Post. And at the founder founding trade, founders trading post, you can if you go to mickeyellison.com, just look on the right side of the show of the show page, and you can actually click the founders trading post and tell us a little bit about what has inspired you to create um, the road to independence, which is one of the document dramas, the uh, the um, spirit of seventy six. The first one I listened to was what Lincoln killed, and and we got to be careful with that one because you have everybody hating me if they if they are not willing to listen. But uh, um, what drives Mike Church, and, and how? How did, uh, David even mentioned that you've even come along in the last few years from being what you and I would consider to be neocons to little R Republicans and, and seeing where we were wrong. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for all the the compliments. I wish I could put that stuff in a bottle and sell it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I could sell it as uh, Doctor Mike's conversion from Republican to Republican oil. I might uh, might be able to introduce that into the store, and who knows? Company might go public in a couple of years if the Republicans get us into another war. But to the question about what drives me, it's just I mean, it's the thing that hopefully uh, I hope it's the thing that drove the um, that drove the men, some of the men that uh, ultimately become saints, and some of the men that uh, we remember as. Great scientists, great philosophers, um, uh, purveyors of political science like James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, George Mason, and John Taylor, and that's just the pursuit of the truth. Um, if Jesus said the truth will set you free, and I haven't heard anyone come up with a better explanation for why you should pursue the truth. So, just pursuing the um, the stories that were handed down, like, for example, the story of how the Declaration of Independence came about, it's not how it's mythologically presented in uh, most presentations of it, which is you know, Jefferson comes up with the idea and he goes off in seclusion uh, without any inspiration or um, or any direction from anyone other than his, you know, his own quest to uh, establish liberty and rights cre- handed to us by our Creator, and you know, he and he alone writes his document. Then you know, he rides into Philadelphia on a white horse and gets off and hands it to the Congress, and they all get down on their knees and bow and they go, "Ooh, ah!" And <laughs> then they vote unanimously to sign it, and then they all stand in line to sign it, and they get a painting and. Now, their picture of portrait is painted while they're doing it, and then they hand it off to everyone in the colonies, and of course, everyone agrees with it. And uh, we go to war with the Britain, with the British, and we beat them handily, and the Declaration becomes our marching orders to do all the things that we do in the name of Jefferson today, like conquer uh, seven-eighths of the world's surface with our army and our navy and what have you. Um, if you look into that story, that's not what happened. Jefferson was a far more complicated uh, individual than that. 
the political events surrounding the declaration are far more detailed and um, far more um, atomized, spread about, than anyone could possibly imagine. And there were an awful lot of things that, that, that had to fall into place for that uh, document to, uh, to even get a vote. And no one could have predicted it as early as uh, around the early part of June when Adams proposed a declaration. He basically was laughed out of uh, the Continental Congress. And they said, well, you know, we'll give us, give us three weeks to think about that. We'll go and ask our, um, our assemblies back in our states for some instructions on that. So it was a very complicated time. It was very tenuous. There was no assurance that that was actually going to, the declaration was going to pass. And any contemporary reading, when I say contemporary, I mean written at the time that the Declaration was being read by men who were alive, any okay. contemporary reading of the history will show you that it was a very complicated, very uh, stressful, um, almost impossible task to pull off. I mean, still at the end of the day, when it's voted on, New York doesn't vote on it because their guy has not come back from New York. And uh, the only reason Delaware votes is because the great Caesar Rodney rides all night long through thunderstorms, basically a hurricane, uh, to get there and to break the tie for Maryland. Otherwise, Maryland would vote no, or Delaware, rather, would have voted no. So it's just you know, just a, a desire to find out what the real story behind the stories are and then to share them with audiences and hopefully in a, what people think is an entertaining fashion. You know, we just don't want to come on there and preach, so... I try to set little scenarios up so they play more like movies than they do, uh, uh, you know, a Ken Burns documentary or something you see on what used to be the History Channel, but what is the uh, Swap Shop Channel? Swap Shop Channel now. <laughs> the Swap Shop Channel, but I, and I can vouch for for what what you put together. The uh, and, and you know, I I think we've been so indoctrinated for so long by by the myth, as you call it, um, that. Listening to even listening to your stories, and you're getting all of the information and all the these are the words coming from the founders, correct? Yes, most of and, the dialogue in our films and our audio features, um, which you can download and take with you at mikechurch.com. You can also get most of them at amazon.com if you just search for my name. Most of the dialogue is taken directly from either a speech that was transcribed and recorded in a, in, a, in, a, in a legislative body's records, or from, you know, back in those days, the principal form of communication was letter writing. They were really good letter writers, and most of them saved their correspondence. So we have, fortunately for us, we have a lot of it to draw from. So whenever I uh, have characters, uh, founders, Voicing dialogue, it's I always try and look for the source of what they actually wrote, or what it was transcribed that they actually said. But sometimes you have to replace words and rearrange them a little bit, just be, just because modern audiences, because you know our wonderful public education system has evolved us so far beyond the point of 18th century knuckle dragging Neanderthals that we can't understand the words that they understood. But it, so I have to alter <laughs> no, some not- of the dialogue just so. Just so it's, it's so modern audiences can grasp it, but it's all. Uh, if I were to footnote them all, they're all almost every line from every person in every one of those docudramas. There's seven now, um, is directly attributable to the man that said it. And and if you want to to purchase one of those uh, those docudramas, you can either go to the 
to uh, MikeChurch.com, or if you forget, you can email Mickey at MickeyEllison.com, and I'll lead you to to those. Um, but you know, I I just found it amazing as I'm as I'm listening to the stories, and and what Lincoln killed was the one that again I listened to first. And you know, one thing I think that is missed a lot is is I think the the Federalist Papers is something that most of us not I I don't know if that's true anymore that most of us are are aware of, but you know. Until I was listen, until I listened to you, I didn't know anything about the anti-federalists, and I I didn't know anything about uh, uh, like Patrick Henry and, and some of his fears of the Constitution that they were writing at the time. Some of our founders weren't even willing to sign the Constitution that we live were supposed to live by today. No, there were three men that left Philadelphia in uh, on September the seventeenth, seventeen eighty seven, the day the Constitution was signed. Elbridge Gary. George Mason and Edmund Randolph, Mason and Randolph of Virginia, and they refused to sign it. Uh, Gary would remain uh, very skeptical uh, for the rest of his life, even while he was an elected member of Congress. Of course, Patrick um, uh, George Mason would oppose ratifying in the Virginia Ratifying Convention. Um, Edmund Randolph would change his mind in between the time it was uh, uh, signed and then sent for ratification. And an uh, interesting story about Elbridge Gary. Um, his name is mispronounced today, and we call it gerrymandering. It's gerrymandering. And that is named after him because uh, uh, Gary was trying to keep radicals out of the first Massachusetts delegation to Congress. And so he was trying to have the districts drawn so that certain in- individuals couldn't be elected to Congress. That, that's where we get the term gerrymandering from could easily have been called Henry Mandarin, because Patrick Henry did the exact same thing. He was so uh, agitated that the Constitution was ratified by Virginia that <laughs> he tried to keep James Madison out of the first Congress, and so we could have called it Henry Mandarin, because Henry had his district redrawn in the Virginia Assembly, and Madison still managed to be elected. But there was at least a 50-50 divide. I still think that there were more Federalists, there were more uh, those opposed than there were for it, but like almost every deceitful act in history, there's it always seems as though the good guys are on the defensive. Because had mm-hmm. the meetings not gone, uh, um, had the meetings of the federal convention not taken place in secret, there probably would have been uh, uh, state legislatures probably would have sent marshals or constables to Philadelphia to go have their delegates arrested for violating their, um, what were called their commissions. You know, each, each delegate was sent to Philadelphia with a commission in his hand, and it specifically said, amend the Articles of Confederation. That's what it said. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know today that that's not what happened. And, and some of those fears, I think, is where we go toward uh, uh, little r republicanism and states' rights. And, you know, we, we've we got the story going on right now with, with uh, Clive and Bundy out in, in uh, um Nevada. And, you know, I wasn't aware, you know, I grew up as one of those Southern hicks that was always ashamed of our heritage. Uh, and, and you grew up in the South as well, correct? I did. And don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous Southern hick. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it, it was, it, it was, you were always taught to be ashamed. And I, as, as a Southerner, we should be ashamed of, of the slate of slavery. No one is talking about that, but I think it's missed mo- a lot of times is, is even in the Civil War and what was being fought for at times was, was state rights and states 
with, you know, I sent you an email the other day, and I talked with David a minute ago on the show about it. We actually have a pretty, gu- pretty good guide from Exodus 18 as to how government should should possibly more than likely be put together. And it's it gets down to the smallest level. When we talk about poverty, well if if I can get if I get the Leviathan out of my way, I can work toward making sure there's no poverty within my own family. And then from there we can go to the church. And then we can go on from there. But it's gotta be down to, to the smallest level possible. Am I am I wrong there? No, you're talking basically about the um, the Catholic teaching of subsidiarity and subsidiarity says exactly what you just said and what the major problem today is is that the we call it the federal government there's nothing federal about it it is the national legislature of the former united states so the national legislature acts as the first church of america and it acts in everything that it does it mimics a a religious institution it has its own buildings of worship. You go to Washington, D.C. or any state capital, and you see the buildings of worship with their pillars and uh, all the fine ornaments that have adorned them inside and out. Uh, it has its own creeds. We have pledges of allegiance. We have songs. We have hymns. It has its own canon that you're supposed to recite and to remember. You know, certain words that have been cherry-picked from the Declaration, for example. Um, uh, it has its, its own bylaws and rules that parishioners or members of the cult, which was, you know, all religions at one point in time were cults, um, and they're still cults, which means to cultivate. There's nothing wrong with a cult as long as it's cultivating goodness. So right. our government today takes on the, 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 the appearance of and acts as a religion. Just look at what happened in Boston yesterday. You have what's supposed to be a solemn ceremony commemorating the souls of dead people killed by a madman pair, a, a pair of madman brothers. And what happens? Oh, why do all the politicians get to show up? I should have been seeing, when I was watching this on television, I should have seen the Archbishop of the Diocese of uh, Boston there. And I should have seen several members of the clergy that represented They may have been there. I didn't see them on television. Several members of the clergy that represented the souls of the dead, who maybe some of those uh, those unfortunate people who were murdered, uh, went to various churches. Should have been a very solemn ceremony. Instead, what does it turn out to be? It's a campaign stop for Joe Biden. But if we look at our government as, as it replaces the church and it performs the charity that we're supposed to perform, well, then it's perfectly understandable that the vice pope would show up to speak, uh-huh. uh, to deliver a homily, the government's homily, to the masses gathered there and those watching on TV. And I think that that is, that has, if, if, if we can encourage people to wrap their heads around that, you're going and uh, to, and if you think that's a good good thing, well then, uh, heaven help your soul. If you yeah, don't think that's a good thing, well, and it's funny. It's something that you bring that up right this week too. And and I thought about this as I was having you on the show when I was when I was posting on my Facebook page that that you were coming on. That I I think it's the most important. Uh, you're the most important radio show host out there. And and, and what okay. you do, if I can bring, but stay with me, stay with me. But then as I got to thinking about it, we're actually you're coming on in the week in which we celebrate the most important event in the history of the world. Sure. And go ahead. Well, um, just to, 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 to finish the other thought, so 
our government, if we can encourage people to wrap their their heads around that, it's not all politics all the time. We have far more pro- we get, we have larger pro- problems than dealing with politics here while we're alive. You know, when people of Russia were suffering under communism, horrible, atheistic, satanic communism, many of them uh, they had to secretly uh, practice it, but many of them continued uh, their faith in any way that they can. We know this because some guys made it out, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And when Solzhenitsyn comes over to the United States thinking he has escaped you know, the horrors of communism and of a state that has set itself up as a church, he discovers, much to his dismay, that we have also established a church here. Isn't it funny the First Amendment is supposed to prevent the establishment? <laughs> We've erected the largest establishment in the history of man. In any event, Solzhenitsyn comes over here and goes, man, you guys have got a very dangerous situation on your hands. He told this to the graduating class of Harvard in 1978, speech that everyone ought to recognize. My point is, it's just not all politics, folks. You've got to give the politics a break. You've got to you know, do what you can, as Mickey said, to, to, to care for. And, you know, Our Lord told us to care for the sick, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. He didn't tell you to hire the Red Cross or Salvation Army. He didn't tell you to, that uh, we ought to have uh, food stamp cards and we ought to have government agencies and people doing this uh, by proxy. He told us to do it. And the only way we can actually do that charity is if we physically perform it. So, so those are things that Americans that, are, that want to change and alter our course can do every day in their lives. Don't need a permission slip from Washington or from Baton Rouge or whatever your state capital is. You know, you just do. You pray on it, and you do it. And, uh, you know, my theory is lead by example, like you are and like David is. And, like, I pray every day that I am trying to, and I hope many others are. I think that's where the hope of the future is. Yeah, I I have the privilege, and this is what I really love to do. It's not to talk politics. I actually didn't – I don't even want to do a radio show talking about politics. You guys got that covered. But uh, – <laughs> I, I had the privilege of about about five years ago with a group of young boys to create a, a, a team that we nicknamed the Kings, um, and it stands for Kids in God's Service. And I think that, uh, that that the world is just backwards, Mike. The world is backwards as far as what we should we should do. And, and everything that Christ tells us to do, it teaches us to serve others. So we created this baseball team, and and. You know, I've learned more teaching these young men uh, about service than than they've probably learned from me. And if we, and it's not it's not to say be necessarily servants, but but anything in life that's really successful is because someone has chosen to serve someone else. And Mike, I've used up almost all the time on here. But we have one minute left. Um, I didn't get to finish that thought, but one minute left. How can people find you? And how can people? Uh, um, uh, I will lead people through my website to the Foundry. Well, here, here's an that. easier question. You, it's easier for you to avoid me than it is to find me. So <laughs> search for my name. I'm number one in any search result from Mike Church. Uh, MikeChurch.com, easy to remember. You can find all my doctor dramas, all my work, printed works, and I've edited and republished some books that were out of print that every American ought to read. There, you can find all of them at Amazon. Of course, the website at MikeChurch.com, Founding Father Films. You can hit me up on Twitter, at the King Dude, and on Facebook, Mike Church Show Fan Page. And if you forget any of that, you can email me, Mickey, at MickeyEllison.com, and I'll show, 
I'll get you there as well. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the on the thank show. And I'll be awake at 5 o'clock in the morning to take my daily dose of the Founding Fathers Red Pill. Thanks for coming on, Mike. You're and folks we'll, see, folks, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here, too. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.